Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. So here we are. We've made it through the combine. We have now come to pro day season, which is one of my favorites. Now, obviously, the pro day presents to you slightly different challenges if you're an evaluator because the hurdle isn't as high. The bar isn't set as high for the pro day. You are not traveling to get there. It's someplace where you're familiar you sleep in your own bed, you eat your own food, you're timed by your own coaching staff, as well as by the, you know, the NFL scouts that travel there, but not only is stressful, not only is tiring. And people always talk about, you know, the difference in the times and, you know, chicanery, whatever, in terms of what the, the staff do when you come to, to run at your, your pro day. But the main difference is fatigue, in my mind. Having seen how quickly a pro day can begin and end, and then comparing that, you know, comparatively to what a player goes through at the combine, where it's just a grind, a 24-hour, all-day grind, you know, where you get six, seven hours sleep tops, quite possibly less, and then poked, I say, you know, injected, inspected, uh, rejected, uh, basically all the experiences that you go through, psychological testing and the bod pod, and, you know, people only see the on-field testing and they don't realize, like I said, what a, a long day grind it really is. So I automatically, you know, reduce in my mind, depending upon which pro day we're talking about, uh, or increase, I should say, in my mind, the time by so much event we're talking about between about six hundredths and twelve hundredths of a second to account for the difference in what a person would do at the combine. It's not an exact science and like I said, you have to know a lot about various testing environments, if they're indoors, but outdoors, what surface, et cetera. But pro days are, are amongst my favorites because one, unfortunately not every player is invited to the combine. Well, I mean you couldn't, it'd be impossible, but there are lots of players that do not get invited to the combine who are very much capable of playing at the NFL level and playing well. And the pro day experience gives you a chance to get to know those players, see those players. And once again, it's not that one level playing field that you have in the case of the combine. That's why we prefer it as evaluators. We would prefer whenever humanly possible to have everybody test under the exact same conditions, time to the exact same way, doing the exact same drills, taught by the exact same, you know, people running the drill, et cetera, et cetera. That's the ideal world. That's the world as evaluators all dream of. You know, if you wanted to give us a gift that we would shout, cherish forever, it would be some sort of magical way that every single player 
who is draft eligible and declares could be somehow tested under the exact same conditions. If there was some way that that could be done, as I just said, it would make everyone beyond happy. Uh, shout out to my friend and colleague, Rick Saratella, who was at Rutgers Pro Day. A couple of guys tore it up there. I'll talk a little bit about that and some of the things that uh, Rick shared with me. We'll also be joined by an actual on-the-spot reporter, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only Mr. Montel Hardy, who will have his impressions from the Pro Day at Northern Illinois University. And we'll be joined by someone who participated recently in their Pro Day at New Mexico State University and a person with a really interesting path to the world of uh, of even American football, let alone college and let alone pro, a young man who you know grew up with, I'm guessing, dreams of soccer or perhaps even cycling. The Netherlands is a big time, they have a big time sports culture. A lot of the, the people, you know, they're an athletic culture and that a lot of the people, even if they aren't athletes in the sense of competing at a high level, they don't have that sort of sedentary culture that unfortunately a lot of people in America have fallen into where you don't have any sort of activity, you know, unless you, you know, walking your dog or chasing a bus or what have you. Uh, I think they have the largest proportion per capita, and I'll have to ask him, but he joins us of bicycle riders, I believe, of any country in the world. So I think China has the largest, you know, raw number <laughs> simply because of, you know, China's sheer mass of humans, but I'll, I'll be interested to hear how he came to become a football player in America, because that's, it's hard enough to do that if you're born, <laughs> if you're born here. There are loads of kids who grow up in Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, you know, the football belt, um, Florida, who have trouble playing college football, despite the fact they were introduced to the game as as practically infants, or at least as toddlers. You know, if you grew up in the South, and I did, there are certain, you know, you miss this as uh, Halloween costumes, right? So the boys are soldiers, sailors, football players, firemen, pirates. Uh, I mean, those were the, you know, and then sometimes it'd be someone topical, you know, or it might be Popeye or, you know, Luke Skywalker or whatever. But the old reliable ones that I was growing up were those, you know, baseball, not so much. And I almost never saw, maybe because of the fall temperatures, but you rarely saw basketball players uh, in terms of what kids dressed up for. At least, uh, I can't remember many. But that's some of what we'll be going into. And, and having attended a few pro days, and they're different, different places, but there's certain things that are very interesting. And you do get to see the interaction between the guys who are being tested and some of the younger players. You can see who, I mean, obviously, you know, there's always a relationship, but you can see who's one of those sort of universally beloved characters. I mean, I've even been a, a great, great player, but you, you may not have known this guy might have been a reserve or something, but he's testing and everybody's pulling for that guy. He might be a long snapper even, you know. <laughs> But you see everybody super excited about how he's testing. And to let you know, this person has you know, a great teammate, whether or not they were an amazing football player. And I'm 
I'm assuming if you're looking at a long snapper, uh, obviously you need him to be able to long snap, but you may not care so much about his vertical. You may not care so much about his three cone. You may care very little about his bench, but you definitely want to know he's a fantastic teammate. And that's something that scouts value probably way more than people who haven't actually had to figure out if a guy can play on their team or not. Because if a guy can't play for you, if you look at a player and you think, okay, this guy can play for us or this guy can't play for us or things like that, you're looking really hard at who this human being is as well. Joe Gibbs, and we don't want to spend too much time on the whole character question, but Joe Gibbs thought character was super important. And Tom Landry was another guy that super, super committed to on and off field character. And obviously, you know, it's sort of ironic because lots of the guys that played for him struggled with various problems, but that's true of any team. But he also took very seriously, like I said, having an understanding of a player's background and values. And, you know, he really cared if they were Boy Scouts growing up or team captains. And did they do junior ROTC? And it's sort of, you know, it sounds silly to us, but he was a military man himself that served as a bombardier navigator on, a, I think, a Liberator B-24, if memory shows it correctly, from 43 to 45 in World War II. And believed strongly, like I said, in people who knew how to pour all of their personal goals, ambitions, and aspirations into a group goal aspiration and sublimate themselves to a larger goal. He saw how important that was, obviously, during his military career, and he very much believed in it going forward. He was an engineer by training, and it showed. showed the way he devised his teams, the way he devised his schemes. But uh, wrapping, or not really wrapping, because Montel's going to keep us much more on pro, the pro day he attended, but sort of going through some of the things that you can or should or could learn from a pro day experience. In addition to the, like I said, the physical testing, you get a chance to sit with coaches, you get a chance to sit with the player. Usually you sit and watch tape of some of the guys who will be testing, at least if they're the, you know, the natives, meaning that they're the, the host school's players. You don't get a chance to do this, obviously, with the guys who are coming from the campus. But you usually get a chance to learn a little bit of a player. They give you a little bio on, on the young man, you know, how many games he played, uh, if he's a two-star or a three-star or a walk-on or whatever. You know, they give you a little bit about that, usually a little bit about a highlight or something. And then, like I said, you watch some tape. You can sometimes ask for specific things, like say it's a guy that's played more than one position and you really you play tackle, but you know there's some guard tape. You want to see the guard tape and say, hey, I know it's not from this year, but can you bring up his freshman sophomore guard tape you know, or whatever it is? So, and some schools are very, very accommodating. Most, in fact, are very, very accommodating. I would say I've had almost universally positive experiences. And say what you want about Greg Schiano. He knows how to run a pro day. I haven't been to Rutgers since Cushiano's left, but like I said, uh, Rick Saratella has and goes every year. So I'm going to pick his brain a little bit also about some of the things that he encountered and learned and things like that. And I've been to Northern but not since. So both, in both cases, their protests that I've attended in the past did not, have not attended since the most recent coaching regimes changed. And so I know very little in terms of personal relationships about, you know, how personally the, uh, the coaching staffs are myself. But I, like I said, I have people who 
do know. And I would definitely like to, like I said, pick their brains, talk to them about what they learned about the players, what they learned, obviously, about not just them as people, but as athletes. Because that's, at some point, we, it is important to know, you know, who they are and what matters to them and all that good stuff. But you also need to know if you're fast or slow, big or small. That's the other thing. A pro day, obviously, is a little more focused on the physical than the combine where they, you know, literally test every aspect of a person. And sometimes you'll make jokes about, you know, some of the questions. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? You know, are you a dog person or a cat person? Oh, yes, you know, your brother, your sister, your mother, and your father are all in a burning building. You only save one. I mean, there's all those questions, force choice questions. They, you know, Hopkins choice, or you can call them, all that stuff. I believe I've been joined by the one, the only Montel Hardy. Yep. Why not? Oh, thoughts on that. Woo! Yes. That was a, it's officially a party because, as we all know, there ain't no party like a Montel Hardy party because a Montel Hardy party don't Montel Hardy. So, um, pro days. Obviously, they are somewhat different from the combine because, like I said, the focus is, is much more on athletic testing. You don't spend as much time, you know, on all the other stuff, uh, the injury stuff and the personality stuff, and that's that's all, you know, obviously saved. If they want to like a kid, they'll, they'll bring it in for a private visit for that kind of stuff. But tell me about what you learned and who you saw and all that good stuff at the most recent Northern Illinois University Pro Day. Oh, it was great. Um, you know, at first I was, I was hoping they'd do it inside, and then they did, so that was great, too. So they did it inside at, like, the Chesley Practice Center, and, um, I mean, almost every team was in attendance um, with the exception of maybe the Patriots and the Browns, just about every AFC team you could think of. And about, I think half of what's an NFC, there's some two scouts out there. Um, as far as guys that worked out, um, no shocker, but Gallaudet basically stood on all his times, but he did, uh, you know, do some um, drills and um, Drew Hare did some throwing and he was one of the receivers who volunteers to run some routes Um I I joked around with you guys, but, you know, he was, uh, you know, Hare had some issues with the deep out, so Gandhi ended up making a diving one-handed catch, you know, just to make everything look smooth, and so there was that. Um, As far as, you know, everyone that worked out, a couple offensive linemen, uh, Howard, uh, LeVon Myers worked out, uh, Joel Bonillon worked out, and I think he was probably the most impressive the entire day. Uh, they also had a couple linebackers work out too, um, Peyton and Jones, I think. So, um, no Murray. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, well, there's no Murray. He, 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 he registered one year, so that's a year of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good. I, I know you mentioned him, so I was thinking, I don't think I saw <laughs> you know, No, no, no. He, he has a year of eligibility left. He's the guy I'm excited about for next year. He He's a mm-hmm. guy that gets his hands on a lot of football. And yeah, he has, he has nagging injuries too. Yeah, but yeah, and nagging. Right. So he had to redshirt one year because he got hurt. And hold on, I'm going to continue a second, Montel. I also believe that Dion Rodriguez may, um, Henrique may have called us. 
Is that uh, Dion as well? Yes, sir. Hello? Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Hold on for just a moment. We'll get to you in a second. Montel's going to give us some information from the Northern Illinois Pro Day, and then I'm going to get to learn a lot more about a truly intriguing young man who came to football through a rather unusual set of circumstances. But, yes, uh, continue, Montel. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Myers ran pretty slow. I think I had him at about a four. They're four, two, a five, two-ish. Uh, most guys have them in the five threes as far as a forty. Um, everyone did the thing on the bench press. Our girls Turner kind of didn't. I don't know. People have this thing where they like to warm up before they bench. I don't get it. Like even if you're lifting a lower rate a weight, you're, you're still taking stamina away from you that can be put on to do whatever. But um, mostly everyone did in the twenties. Our girls did about a four. I think I think you did eight reps at two twenty-five. Um, let me see. Well, when they got out to the field, the 40s, uh, Turner, 4-5 to me. Everyone else had him in the 4-6s. Um, I think he can get a shot in a camp maybe as a return dude at first. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens after that. Uh, as far as Bonyon, I think he was probably the most impressive. He, um, you know, watching him in person and on tape, I, I really thought if he could run inside a 4-7, it'd be great for him. He ran like a 4-6-2 and he ran it twice, um, like right at about to the millisecond. Um, also gave a 10-2 on the broad. I don't know what his vert was, but he had a um, what else? Oh, he had a three cone of about 7-1 and a shuttle of about 4-3-2. 4-3-ish was where I had him anyway. So, um, what were, what was his official height and weight? 6-1, that's for sure. And I think they said like 229 or 230, probably 230. 6-1, okay. 230, okay. yeah. So for him, I mean, like I said, he looked way slower than I watched him. So I was like, wow. And he did all his workouts with his shirt off, and people were impressed. And um, the Pittsburgh Steelers were very into him after workouts. So I take a look at hmm. that. They they sat him on the ground, told him to touch his toes and turn around. I mean, it was it was pretty intimate for a second there. I kind of decided to move away and let them do what they do. Um, <laughs> He also, uh, yeah, I think the Packers are also interested in him. And it might be a third team, but I'm I'm not really sure. Um, Gade met with the Lions um, middle of the week, and he was pretty cozy with the Seahawks scout yesterday. Um, and I think there was one more team that was really – it might be the Bengals. I think they just been talking with them too. So um, there's that. As far as Drew, um, I don't know. It might be the end of the road for him. Uh, I don't know how many people talked to him after he did his throws. As far as his throws, a lot of things were off. Um, he was more accurate than I remember. He had some touch on a deep ball, which was nice. But he still, uh, you know, over the past couple of years, didn't develop the arm strength in the way that I thought he would. So with the 10 to 15-yard outs, you know, you got a little wobbly and stuff like that. And also just from not playing, you could see the, the toll those throws were taking on him. You know, as far as stamina, he kind of needed to be built up a little more. He threw about 15 balls, and he was, you know, like, what do you want? What do oh, you, wow. You know, like, yeah. So um, otherwise, he looked good. He did look leaner. He did look like he wasn't uh, – because he, he felt like he was carrying a little bit of baby weight during the year last year and earlier this year. But he did look leaner, but he wasn't in the – not in the type of football shape that you want to be in if you're throwing for your job, you know. So right. I would say that right. um, someone might look at him to do some things. He can master the simple things. I also look at some footwork stuff. You know, this kind of perpetuates the spread stereotype because 
Um, he was doing play action throws, and there was something about the motion. I mean, his footwork was it, it, it was inconsistent, and so you saw it. He do play action, and then when it came to throw down the field, you know, he wasn't on the money. And those are the type of nuances people don't like when you come out of the spread, right? You know, and so not a lot of room for error with that for him too. So um, I definitely think he could prepare better. Um, I think you know what you're getting arm-wise, but the accuracy did improve. I definitely saw better downfield accuracy, um, intermediate accuracy, and ball placement for sure. Um, but of course, there was there was no pressure. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think uh, Don Young probably is going to be very interesting. I think a lot of people had to talk to Howard Myers. It sounds like people like Myers is more of a guard. Um, I would say more of a ZBS guard if you're going to go that route. And uh, I think the word on Turner is hopefully a return man. Uh, they had a linebacker, Jones, run about a four six, but I don't know how many people were deeply interested in him. But he was probably the most impressive uh, physical presence there. Uh, guys about five eleven, muscles on top of muscles, um, crushed the bench press, had about a ten foot broad. Um, one more thing, uh, Sean Fowler, the linebacker, um, he had a pretty decent day. Uh, I think he ran about four eight and uh, looked good in all field drills. Uh, people were pretty interested in too. So it sounds like they may have, I mean, obviously Galladay is very likely going to be drafted day three. They may have one or two other guys with a chance to be guys who have invitations to a camp with a contract in hand, and then maybe one or two other guys who might get a tryout is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, basically. Um, I, uh, We'll see what happens with the running backs moving forward. This is such a deep class, but I'd be curious to see who's off the board by day three. Um, the number of people that were interested in Bonyan was a little surprising for me. So, but yeah, agreed. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Um, definitely good to know. NIU is a program, you know, I remember, you know, in their quote unquote heyday. Uh, when Coach Novak was still there and, you know, Derek Wolf and all that good stuff. And, yeah, you, it was a very well-attended pro day. And you said it was this one's pretty well-attended, too, so that's good to know. Yeah, I was, I was definitely surprised. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess around 20, around 20 teams in the That's a good number. That is a number that uh, I think is definitely a solid one. Excellent. Uh, Montel, tell people where they can find your work, sir. Uh, definitely. You can find me on Twitter at Montel NFL, and you can also go to, I don't write for NGSE anymore, um, inscribermag.com. It's a site headed up by Nick Piccarelli. Nick. He's a good guy. Yes. He's a good man. Nick is a good man. So um, me and a few other guys write for his draft section. I have plenty of scouting reports coming up soon. Uh, just got some numbers to crunch, but we will do it. Excellent. Um, you are, of course, welcome to hang out if you'd like. I have a very interesting young man I'm about to interview who has a fascinating story to tell, um, mm-hmm. and one that will probably be less rare as football becomes a little more of an international sport, I guess, but it's a fascinating mm-hmm. you know, path to the draft or path to whatever. I want to, I definitely want to hear his path uh, because his path comes from very, very far away uh, <laughs> to all the way to all the way to the United States. So. I'm going to definitely bring him on. Like I said, if you want to hang out and ask him a few questions, I'd love to have you. If you have to run, I understand that as well. Okay. Okay, excellent. So, Dion, yes, uh, please tell me a little bit about how you came to become acquainted with American football. 
Uh, that is a long story. <laughs> yes, it is, but I want to hear it. Yeah. Um, I played football. I was like, look, yeah, I played football, like, um, back home club football in Amsterdam. And I just fell in love with it. I was already, like, I played baseball before, but that was not the type of sport for me, I recognize. And then football got into me. And I started loving the game, just wanted to get better and better into it, and took it to the next level to come out here in the United States to play. So, and from then, it's just every time, workout, uh, doing what I need to do to be better than what I was, and end up in uh, junior college in California. Played there for two years, got recruited, uh, New Mexico State, and now I'm here. <laughs> yes, you are. You are very much here. So you get introduced to the game while you're still in the Netherlands. Tell me about the game over there. Uh, who coached you, and and even like I said, how did you guys even find? information about, I mean, I'm assuming, well, luckily you, you live near the internet. I guess you could go to YouTube or whatever, but tell me about how right. you guys even organized and, you know, put together playbooks and things like that. Right. Um, like I said, football is not that big out there. So no. we play, we got a league, like a Dutch league, uh, and you got like uh, at least eight teams in the whole country, eight teams that plays. And then, yeah, <laughs> and then you have started, like, you start with, like, playing 7 to 7 from the right. age of 14 to 16. And then from 16 up to 19, you play 11-11 uh, football. Oh, okay. Okay. So... It's a whole different situation because all our sports are not school-related. Right. So when you play your football, that's outside of school. So you go to school, come back home, and go to practice. And you don't practice every day. You practice, like, three days or two days in a week. Right. So I mean, it's like, playing little league, it's like we're playing Little League Baseball here. I mean, it's... Right. It's a right. fun activity. <laughs> right. It's a little yeah. different from yeah, these kids who grew up in Texas, like I said. <laughs> right. They be growing. Uh, I hear you be growing up with it, like, from day one. And over there, it's just you know it, and not everybody knows it, so you know it. And that's <laughs> just by yourself. Not a lot of people know about it. No. So it's hard to get so, out. Right. So, who who was your coach, and how, how did you, how did your coach find you? How did you find your coach? So, um, I played um, receiver before he, and I had my coach um, Frank. His name was Frank, and he was just what he every every time told me like I got talent, but it can be um, in, it's like a raw diamond, something like that. Yeah. So very, very raw. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be, perf- like, perfect. Like, I need to work on it. 
So that's what I basically did with him and working out, doing some, just looking up on YouTube, footwork drills, techniques, how to, like, get better. And then um, one time an overseas FBU camp came out, so, and I went to that camp. I was, like, excited about it. I went to that camp, participate, and they invited me to a European team for to play out in Texas, San Antonio. Oh, wow. Against uh, Canada, a Canada team, and a Mexico team. And that was pretty good. It was in San Antonio. It was at the... Before or after, I was after the game of the U All American All American of um, U S Army All American. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It was after that game. We played a game against um, Canada. We played games against Mexico, and I met a coach over there from uh, Ridley College. One of the coaches. I met over there, and he was talking about a school, talking about um, opportunities that I can have if I come out there, and I was excited about it. Basically, I just l- got recruited from a school in America, and that was, I was proud of that. I was, like, excited <laughs> to do and to go with it. So I changed my whole mindset right there on the spot and just went with a dream that I had of playing football in the United States. That's Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's hard enough to get a scholarship when, right. like I said, you're a kid who's been doing this, as you said, from the time they were barely able to walk. So right. this is fascinating to me. So transferring from one school in America to another school in America can be quite arduous. So right. tell me, just on the academic side, what hoops did you have to jump through to come over from the Netherlands to go to school here? Right. Um, that's a whole different uh, problem. Not problem, but that's a whole situation because you cannot just go from a school in the Netherlands to a school in the United States because that's a whole different um, education level and what how they see, like, um, classes and so, and so forth, like classes. This whole different situation. So for me... Adjusting to a system, an education system out here, I don't think it was that hard, but it's a whole different um, lifestyle you're living, like school and sports, school and sports. But me going out there with a uh, education level from the uh, from the Netherlands, it's a different, but not that something I couldn't handle that. Uh, school-wise, because it was, I would say it was pretty tough in the beginning, because it's not that they be, um, like, school in the Netherlands, they be helping you out, like, everything, they help you out. Over here is, like, tutoring, you go self, looking for help and all those stuff, and it's different. It's different than out in the Netherlands, but I got adjusted to it. And it's pretty good. It's pretty big okay. and different. So, but didn't didn't you have to get like your transcripts translated from you know Dutch oh, yeah, to English? I mean, sure. wasn't there a lot of? I'm gonna say, I mean, 
Yes, for I've, sure. I have friends who've grown up overseas, and I've been told it's a tremendous hassle. Right. Um, it's a whole situation because if you want, like, classes that you already took and classes, they need to, they want to know how your education level is. So, And basically they can't read the Dutch version of my transcript. So to get that tra- um, translated, it take up, like, a whole – three weeks, four weeks to get it translated. It's a whole process about that. So they can read where you are on their education level so they can help you out with classes on my education level. And being out there and sending emails back and forth to these schools out here so I can have my classes set up when I come in when I so I can have my um, level of education and stuff that I already did back home, already set up out here. It's a long process, difficult process. It's not easy for sure, but no. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> That's what okay. I had in my mind. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear it was worth it. Uh, one yes. last question on your transition from there to here. So there's immigration stuff, obviously, you know, even more of a watchword now than it was was even then. Right. So you have you have to do your academic stuff, get your everything translated, you said, all that stuff. You have right. to figure out living here, you know, um, which involves your immigration stuff, things like that. So the whole right. process from beginning to end, how long did all of it take? Um, at least a year or. A half, yeah, I would say more than half a year because of my papers translating that take almost a month and then waiting for a visa, a student visa to come in that take, again, like almost a half, month and a half again. And me being on point with my papers to get it ready on time so they can have it. Um, that's a long process, like at least a year or a month, more than a month and a half, um, a year and a half, I will say. So wow. it's, it's a process that I've been through, a difficult process, a stressful process, but like I said, I'm glad I did it because okay. what in my eyes, I got too far. I am too far to give up or let it just sit like it's nothing. <laughs> sure. Well, you've changed your entire life. I mean, people talk about getting homesick when they right. go, you know, a state or two away from where they've grown up. You right, went an right. ocean. And then <laughs> almost all the way across a very large country <laughs> away right. from, you know. Uh, so uh, I'm going to ask if Montel might have any questions for you before I, I, I monopolize more of your time. Montel, you still with us? Okay, Montel may have dropped off. I know you may have other things to do. Right. But uh, I'll, con- I'll continue then. All so right. yeah. you have found this amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. You have gone through, as you just said, a very long and arduous process to take advantage right. of this opportunity. How different, I mean, just lifestyle-wise, culture-wise, finding your way around in a strange land, what what helped you to get through all of that? Who helped you to get through all of that? And how long did it take to feel comfortable in this new country? Um, 
I think it's just me loving doing what I want to do, like having a mindset like this is what I want to do, helping me adjust to, like, the culture, the surrounding that I'm in. As for, like, football and school, what I wa- what I love to do is just focusing on those two and just going with the flow, like, doing what I'm supposed to do, doing what I'm here for, and then just going with the flow, basically, and just doing what I need to do. That's what I'm keeping in mind with myself every time, every day, to reach my goals. Okay. And did you experience any homesickness? I mean, because you're, you're the most, I mean, I haven't talked to anybody further away from home. I've talked right. to two kids that came from maybe like the West Indies or Canada to play down here, or right. up here if you're from the West Indies. But I don't think I've, I think you're the first player I've ever had in my many years of doing this is actually from the Netherlands. So it's a short list. Um, I mean, Morton Anderson had a nice career, <laughs> but it's a short, short list of right. guys who made it from the Netherlands. So really? uh, in terms of the food and clothing and, I mean, things that people take for granted, like like I said, just knowing how to drive or get around right. or things like that, uh, how long did it take you to just adapt to all those things? Uh, my first year here, I was, like, really new to all my stuff. So I just was, like, staying at where I was, not really going out. And then my second year, I started more, like, communicating with friends, teammates, um, getting around with them, and just adapting to what, like, what they're doing, having the same, same um environment that was they in they are they are in so I'm trying just to adapt as in being a football player around that part, like just being a football player student, athlete, just going to school and just being friends with people. They help now, me obviously, uh, stuff like that. Obviously you didn't have a a, a high school football experience. He you said your right. club team is associated maybe with your town or maybe with a, a business that sponsors it, but it's not associated with your school. Right. So you probably have never played in front of, I mean, you can tell me, but you probably never played in front of more than a couple hundred people before in your life, I'm guessing. For sure you got not. Here. <laughs> For sure not. I was, I mean, so what was like, that like? <laughs> right. Like every game since I've been um, playing out here. Back home, I was never like nervous of, something because most of the time you know all those people out there. I was going to say, you could probably you, introduce yourself yeah. to everybody in the crowd by name. <laughs> right. You know those people, so it doesn't matter if you do wrong or bad. Out here, it's more of you don't know them. They don't know you. You're just going to perform. You're just going to – it's going to – it's it's nervous. I was nervous for me in the beginning. I didn't know anything – so it was amazing, and it still is, to have a large crowd just coming to watch you play, watching your team play. I mean, I'm still, like, every time last year we played um, Ole Miss and the year before that we played Florida, and 
it was so amazing to me having a large crowd coming to look at you. It's so different. I don't know how to explain probably so probably the crowd probably the right. crowd in either one of those games was probably larger than all the people that had ever seen you before put together. Right, right. <laughs> right. And it's just and it's just a whole different experience because you don't think the crowd will have like uh, any effect on you playing the game, <laughs> but since you're out there and you can do nothing about them about it, and hearing them yelling and screaming, being enthusiastic about you or about your team, that's so amazing. It's just you just want to be out there every time. <laughs> So I always talk to people about their welcome to college football moment where right. it's sort of that shock when you make the jump from high school to college. But for you, I guess the shock must have been even bigger because you're, it's a, like I said, yeah, it's it a changing a culture. Right. It's a changing location. And no offense to the guys you played with while you were playing in the Netherlands in your, in your club league, right. I'm willing to bet it was a different kind of athlete than you were used to seeing when you got to the States. For sure. For sure. Um, I mean, as for me, how I experienced the game change, it, I came out here, it was way faster, way faster. Mm-hmm. As for um, way smarter, like how they be playing out here. Right. So as for me, how I went on the field, my like my first five plays, I go out there before practice, it's even on practice. Um, in practice, I'll be having some moments like, uh, "Whoa, this is going too fast for me." Okay, uh, this is going <laughs> too fast. But now I'm really adjust to it. I really know what I'm doing. So it was really a game of adjustment for me, knowing what I'm doing, getting all the um, tactics, all the uh, my speed up, all my strength up. So. And especially for my size, and I know what I can do. I know I'm up there with players. I'm up there with my talent. So I think it was a huge difference for sure. How long did it take you to to make that adjustment? Like between when you arrived here and you said shock. I mean, you must have been literally in shock the first time right. you went into practice <laughs> right? and you saw the speed and you saw how quickly everything moves and how big everybody is and all that. You right. were probably the most talented player on the field every single time when you were in the Netherlands. Would that be fair to say that you were always the best player before? I will take that credit. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that. Yes. Yes. I will say yes so, to that. Right. So that that was the the other adjustment is that for the first time there were guys on the field who were better than you. Right. Right. Um I got lucky that I came in um in the summer of uh my first year football in the state. So I can really adjust on like strength wise summer workouts and speed wise so that I can work on that. And then when fall camp came in, that's where I realized um, I got some a little bit more to learn <laughs> uh, because of the change, yeah, the change in speed and the learning of plays and 
how to catch up stuff like fast, fast mm-hmm. pace. So it it helped me out because of the fall camp, the two a days, like catching up real quick. And then at least after <laughs> your first after your first game, you're gonna realize, okay, this is college football. Mm-hmm. Right. It has occurred to me when you mentioned practice that you went from two weeks to two a days. That's got to be a bit of a transition all by itself. For sure. I mean, I never heard of two a days back home. No, <laughs> I'm sure you have. I never heard of two a days. Two a days sounds that's not good for you. <laughs> that's not that's not good for your body. But now, after you did it for a couple of years a couple of fall camps, you you realize you will need those practices to be ready for the upcoming season. And it's a really adjustment of practicing every day and especially two times a day in the morning and in the afternoon. So that was pretty excited, a really big change as in for conditioning and endurancements just keep on going, even if you're tired. Right. And you will be very, very tired. You will be. So, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about your, your little group. Um, obviously, you are the new guy in, in every way, shape, and form when you arrive. Who were the guys that you first got close to and befriended when you arrived at your American uh, school and, and football team? Um, I had, for sure, like, two friends to make sure, like, my friends. Um, of course, a receiver and a running back because, I mean, those are the guys that I meet on the field and see on the field every time. And one of the receivers, uh, Tevin Jackson, He's just a competitive guy, and he was, like, talking trash, but as <laughs> I didn't know about that either until I came out here, like, somebody talking about I was going to say, I was going to ask you about, I was asking about if you guys had trash, Rocky, but they didn't do right. that much into that one. Okay. Right. <laughs> so you have somebody out here talking about your skills, especially <laughs> – you coming out of somewhere that they don't know about? No. So that was. Did they um, did they give you any special nicknames because you were from another country? I mean, they calling me Amsterdam or <laughs> just because I'm from there. But then <laughs> when you're on the field, they be having you asking you questions. Are you sure you want to do this? This. This is a new level, just talking trash, but it's just me out of my talent, knowing what to do, having my moments, good moments in the field, talking trash back as for knowing what I'm doing and locking them down and stuff. So it was amazing because I've seen those guys, they growing up, they having interest in me as knowing where I'm from. And being competitive, it's amazing. Okay. Got it. Now, you make the adjustments, many adjustments. Oh, now, you obviously spoke English before, and your English is very, very good, but there are probably 
as you mentioned, trash talking. There's probably lots of expressions, right? Slang and uh, idioms and things like that. Did you ever have any sort of moments where there was like a misunderstanding or somebody said something, even though oh, you you know you knew English, but you didn't know what they were saying because it was a a slang expression? Many of I had many moments of that. <laughs> So what's your um, pick one of them? What's your favorite or the one that you think is the funniest? Um let me see. Um uh as in I was okay, it was on the practice field. Mm-hmm. Um so we were going we were going at it like practice teams on team good offense versus defense. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm making a play, just a pass breakup. I got it. So in my broken English, I tell the quarterback, as for um, I'm telling him, don't throw my way because I'm here every day. Da, 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 da. Right. So he makes a comeback of um, – I know we we gonna be taking flights on you every day, like deep balls on you every day, because you're not from here. So I mean, this is just friendly trash talking. They be talking to me every day, like really every day, just because I'm not from there. And then the offensive coaches is, is helping them as we're talking trash to the defense. So they telling me. Um. Uh, every time after I talk trash, they make a complete pass. They say, "Oh, you're not there. You're not. Uh, do you want to fly over to those place so you can take over stuff like that? Just foreign jokes they be trying to make to me. That's something that will never stop. But I'm getting used to that." So that's one of my experience yeah. that I always really will have, I think, some yeah. foreign jokes. Yeah. Oh, you will, yes. You'll never get away from that. As long as you're playing football in this country, you'll hear, you know, things about <laughs> Dutchmen and whatever else. That's right. not going anywhere. Right. <laughs> so I'm glad you're okay with it. Uh, right. So tell me about just navigating the depth chart. I mean, obviously, for anybody – even if you had come from a big power American high school where you played since you were very, very young, you'd have to fight your way up the depth chart, you know, with guys who were there already trying to work your way up. Now, obviously, right. in your case, I mean, you're the wildest of wild cards coming from very, very far away. Uh, tell me about how long it took you to actually start seeing the field and before you started, you know, working your way up being a starter. Um. My first season, um, my coach threw me in uh, because of an injury of a guy. And I'm lucky to say I would not, yeah, I did a great job that game. So from that game on, I got put in. I think it was like the fourth game of the season. Um, But... As after the game, for sure, my coaches be talking to me as when I got stuff to work on, but they see the 
talent in me. So, but really adjusting came all in the fall camp and having be ready to start any day. We only had like not a lot of corners, so I really <laughs> had a chance to play to prove what I can do. So I really was proud of that. Okay. Well, that is impressive that you can go from where you were playing at the level of competition where you were to be ready to play right. in a pretty competitive junior college league right. by game four. That's pretty impressive. Right. Right. Okay. So, and you started from that point forward? They left you in the starting lineup? Yes, sir. That's yes, impressive. Sir. That's very impressive. Now, unlike, once again, most American kids, when they get to junior college, they've already been through a recruitment process leaving high school. You've right. never been recruited in the you know, normal, if you, you know, traditional Long sense way. until that yes. point. Yes. yes. So tell me about what that was like for you now for the first time, really being recruited, at least in America, as a football player. What was that process like, and how did you figure out where you wanted to play your college football at the four-year level? Um. I always, before um, my, after my first season, I really, I realized because I'm, I'm a foreign student, I need a, one more season, like, to get in, get really comfortable playing. So I had my second season at my um, junior college. And then mm-hmm. after, after that season, my coaches start um, telling me um, that are, like, coaches coming in and asking about me. So that was like at the end of the season, they telling me coaches are coming in and asking about you. So be ready, like be ready, know what you want to do after full, after uh, your junior college playing season. So I was like, okay, um, this is it. This is one of the moments that you're going to be recruited to a bigger school. So I was, in my mind, me talking to my mom and my parents, I was like, it doesn't matter where I go. The first school that uh, warned me, I will take that option. I will take that chance with them and just ball out doing what I'm supposed to do and just playing the sport I love. And and it was um, New Mexico State. So I I got uh, calls from coaches. One of my coaches, uh, he calling me, um, asking me about school, asking me about um, how I got there. As for for them, it's pretty strange to an uh, international student. <laughs> at it doesn't happen very often. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't right. very often at all. Right. So for me it was it's all new again too, so I really didn't know what was going on as for him asking me all these questions. I was just thinking, Oh, this coach is just interesting in interesting in me. Not that I know he wanna get me to his school or something. So me talking to my uh, position coach about it, he telling me what's going on as for, oh, they're recruiting you. They maybe want you to their school to play football. <laughs> That's right. right. You're completely new to this. <laughs> so I'm this completely right. new to this. I just, <laughs> I'm just really going with the flow as for, 
okay, I'm going to that school to play football. Okay, I like that. So why not go? And then me okay. getting smarter every time, knowing, oh, it's a D1 school. It's one of the highest um, college-level schools that you can play. The, every surprise, I'm me getting surprised. Right, I have to remind myself that that's new to you. Like, you don't know the difference between all the different levels. I don't like, know. I mean, obviously every American kid would know that, right. Right, right, right. I don't know about a D3, D2, D1. FBS, FCS, F- right. Yeah, <laughs> for me, it's all football. It's football. <laughs> Right now, there is a welcome to American football moment. Just that—that that being new to you. Uh, we talking about on the on the field? <laughs> As for hello, welcome to college football. <laughs> so sure, you have an on I the have. field and an off the field because you have to figure out the differences what, between what, the schools. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So as for recruiting, me just going to NMSU getting my school, getting the football that I want to do. I like NMSU a lot. It was it was a good school. It's a good school. And as for my welcome to college football, that was a practice. <laughs> first practice. Getting yes, run tell over. me about your first practice. What was that like? I mean, same thing. It's just another level, another notch up. Turn it up another notch. Um, you're getting guys that are like a few star star recruits coming out here and playing this game on another level, different from junior college. They bigger, they stronger, they faster. So me out there getting run over by a running back. I think that was my welcome to college football <laughs> moment. And so let me see. This play, it's a running back sweep. Uh, rece- uh, yeah, a toss to the running back to the outside. Me coming down onto it. He running my me over. And then me going to the, I'm going to the sideline. My coach telling me, welcome to college football. <laughs> So, I mean, so your official welcome to college football would have someone actually tell you welcome to right. college football. Right. Well, that's how you I know think. that was your welcome to college football moment. Right. I mean, I got run over, so I think that's one of those moments your coach be like, oh, yeah, he's he is here. He know he here on a different level <laughs> now because of that. And my coach right. just tell me, telling me about it, like, okay, you just need to get we we I mean I know I'm not on the level but I got raw talent so I know it's going to be there right right so <laughs> it's a pretty good um experience knowing all this from now on now that I know all these stuff I think yeah I'm no I like college. I like college football. I like football at all. I know what I love right now for sure. Okay. Now, so, clearly, you. I'm going to assume that you grew up playing soccer as well and I, things like that. And did you also run track and field or 
What other sports did you I, grow up doing in the Netherlands? Um, I did uh, soccer. I did baseball and track. Baseball. Okay, I baseball. wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> How did you get introduced to baseball? You you are you have an interesting uh, something <laughs> about you. You drawn to these American sports, right? Um, actually, my dad and my brother playing. It's like my dad is a baseball coach. My brother plays baseball. So, basically, baseball was one of our first family sports that really oh. got our family together because my dad is a baseball coach, and for sure he's going to play his sons on a baseball team. Okay. So, baseball, but then I, re- I realized baseball, I need – uh, a sports with more action in it, <laughs> more <laughs> okay. active, active sports. So there we went to football. Before mm-hmm. baseball, of course, you had soccer. Of course, that's one. When of you the played main... soccer, what position did you play? Were you a, a, a half or, or a sweeper or stri- what? What did you Goalie. play when you played uh, soccer? Goalie. Goalie. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Goalie. <laughs> I was just. It, I was just in there waiting for some action to happen, so <laughs> I was goalie. Okay. Very often you'll find a big, you know, quick guy with hands, obviously. The only guy who needs to have good hands on a soccer field, <laughs> obviously, is the goalie. <laughs> so right. the only place, the only guy who needs to have good hands. Uh, right. So that's interesting. Interesting. You you, you present an ex- an exotic athletic profile, uh, obviously. You don't see too many guys with your with your particular skill set and background. So one last question before we move forward. And you said you were interested in baseball early as well. Your father actually coached baseball. Where did your father learn baseball, if you don't mind me asking? Um, my father, we're from the Caribbean, so close to Cuba. Oh, okay. Okay, um, got it, got it, got it, got so, it. Like the Antilles or like what, what part of the – the That's it right there. The okay. Chili. Okay. That's it, okay. Curacao. Yes. So basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Bernie Williams. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's just one of the main sports out there. And then, right. So basically well, that, that my makes dad. Sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So dad, your family yeah. migrated from right. the, the Dutch East Indies to actually to the Netherlands. Right, right. Right. Got it. Well, like I said, it's a fascinating story. Yes, sir. Is that Brian? It is. This is a fascinating young man, sir. I I can't thank you enough. This this is one of my, I mean, I don't like to say favorites because they're all my favorites, but this is the most interesting (laughs) story of how (laughs) someone got to this point I've ever had in my life. And I've been doing this for a while. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, okay. So Vinny yeah. Gregorius is from the Netherlands. Yankees starting shortstop. That's really? It. Yeah. He is. Huh. The like short this, the shortstop. Yeah, the Kenny um Jansen, the pitcher from Dodgers. Yeah, I think. Dodgers. I, yeah. He's a he's a guy who I who I thought could be a pretty good blocking tight end if you've been introduced to football. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big old boy. Right. 
Okay. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, obviously, like I said, I, I was living in New York when Bernie Williams was, uh, you know, doing what he did with the Yankees. Right. Right. But of course, now he's a, you know, now he's a musician. But mm-hmm. uh, let's let's. So now you're making the transition from being, you know, you you're settled in. Like you, at first, right. it's all going so fast. And you're trying to figure it all out, and you're learning slang and trying to figure out what guys mean when they say, you know. Um, you know, they mossed you. You got mossed. I'm sure that was something you had to figure out what the heck they were talking about. <laughs> and all the other expressions. I mean, guys, as you said, a lot of trash talk. Not so much trash talk in the Netherlands, obviously. You you, you got to right. use the trash talk here in the States. Right. Uh, but tell me about now you've been through junior college, your first year at a four-year school. Uh, tell me about the thing that you worked on to go from being – you know, the new guy and the newest guy, to some extent, just because of your background, to becoming a guy who's more of a contributor. Because you, you didn't do a whole lot your first year, which is not, no. you know, not surprising. No. Um, I mean, as for knowing me, myself, as for that I'm coming from a whole different uh, place, I just need to know that my technique and my level of, knowledge of football is not up there with the guys out here. So I need to do always right. some extra stuff to measure myself out on that level. So me being working on the field most of the time on my techniques, on knowledge as for knowing what's coming, as for film watching, that's just me doing – I need – my my need to do extra stuff to be on the guys' levels. So basically me doing extra stuff is always a thing. Right. Especially me working on myself as for yeah. technique and on-the-field workouts. Now, you mentioned film study. You've got a, you know, multiple-year deficit in terms of film study. Most of the guys... Right. Watch film in, in in high school and nowadays there's some youth teams, crazy as it sounds, where they where they have a film day. Uh, you know, thirteen, twelve, thirteen, fourteen year olds nowadays you see studying right. film and kids grow up playing Madden and designing plays and right. all this stuff. So I mean yeah, you don't have tell 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 me about yeah. that. How did you learn to study film? Um we don't as as you said, we don't have watching films. We don't do that back home. No. Because, I mean, if you We only practice film, twice a week, so I can't expect you to film study. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, um, me, I'm learned, I learned to watch film out here at the junior college myself with my coach. So, he was, like, pressuring me on, like, watching film, watch film. I mean, I never did that. So... I always had an appointment with him for watching my watching films on other teams, so he can learn. He can teach me like how to watch film, what to watch to, and how to like memorize um, things so you can know it on the field. Right. Um, right. So I had my coach was helping me out most of the time, helping me watching film as for coming in after class before practice or after practice going in and watch some film with him, he letting me know what I need to work on, 
letting me know what I need to watch certain times as for knowing what's coming out. My coach really helped me out with that. And now I know okay. that's something you do need to play football on the next level. And that's for sure one <laughs> yeah. thing I always If they bring you to a to. Patriots camp, you'll find out just how badly you need to right. watch <laughs> you need You're going to need to watch film. So I really appreciate that. And for sure, that's one thing I always will do, watch film. And that really helps me out a lot. For sure. Now, as you said, you have all this raw athletic ability. But when was the right. first time that tape applied? Like you actually made a play because you saw something. You, your right. head remembered, oh, wait, when they do this and they go trips to the, to, to the field side on third and eight, they, you know, they run this. Um, oh, it's going to be they going to run a, a dig, you know, with a post over the top of it or whatever. I mean, what, tell me about the first time. It clicked in your head. You saw something on the field. You pulled up a memory from tape and said, ah, aha. Right. Uh, <laughs> tell me about that. When was the first time you actually had a film study moment on the field and you were able to make it work? Um, I had that uh, my, my first year, my, my, slat, my second year of my junior college, my second season, I was watching film that week and – and we were doing that play so many times in practice. It was a jet sweep by the receivers. So many times this, we watched the film on this team, and they'd be doing it most of the time. So I was like, okay, this is the play they're doing. This is a play they get um, a lot of yards on. So and keep an eye on this specific spe- player. So me coming out that game, the first thing I recognized was the formation. I, I got – there's something in me saying, oh, I know this formation from somewhere, and then you're, you're going to get excited because you know something is about to happen <laughs> that you know. So you're going to get ready for it. And the motion came in from, from the jet sweep. The motion came in, I was, and I was like, oh, yes, okay, it's going to happen. And I just jumped the play. He get the handoff, uh, tackle for a loss in the red zone. So I was like, oh, yes. This is one of my favorite plays right here. <laughs> so I had a Excellent. tackle for a loss on a play that I knew was coming. And it, felt, it feels so good when you know something is going to happen when, and it happens. So I was okay. so happy about that. So, as you mentioned, your junior college coaches were sort of like most people's high school coaches in that they took you from being an extremely raw player who was playing on just almost natural instinct and, and feel and even sort of educated guesswork into a quote-unquote real football player, a person who isn't just hoping or guessing, who actually, as you said, can read out those tendencies, things like that. So you had to right. do these things, obviously, a little further along in your development than most of your, your teammates. When you got right. to New Mexico State, what were the things that your coaches wanted to bring out of you, and how did you work with your coaches to go from being a guy who was trying to figure it out, basically, your first year there, to a guy who actually contributed this year? Right. Um, 
I think my coaches out here most of the time wanted me to be more physical out here because I'm sure. a big corner, um, big DB. They trying to make me physical, and that really worked out for me because uh, me being this big and using my size, it was a great advantage for me. Like That's what they really hammered me on out here. And just small stuff as for footwork and um, just using my size. As for me being a DB this big, it's just the advantage to me as for technique-wise and stuff. So that's what my coach, my position coach really helped me out, using my size, my strength as for covering guys. So that's really something that really always helped me out. Okay. That it and you out. mentioned playing, and you mentioned playing corner, and you mentioned your size, and I know right. you've heard this probably even in the short time you've been in the United States a hundred times that people get super excited by corners who have your your frame as long as they right. can still flip their hips and move their feet. Uh, nobody right. wants stiff corners, no matter how big they are. <laughs> no offense to the Stanley Jean Baptiste of the world and everybody else, but it's easy to get excited about a guy with a big long frame and strength and everything, but if you can't, if you can't turn and burn, you know. I mean, they can try to hide some of those things in certain zone schemes, but at some point, zone becomes man, as I'm sure right. your coaches have told you over right, right, and over right. again. Uh, so tell me about that, about scheme and what you've learned about because you mentioned technique a bunch, and technique is it's important at every position. Right. But I think when you play corner, you're playing one of the few positions where everyone sees your technique mistakes. If you're a guard and, you know, you, you, your bucket steps off or you do this wrong, your kick slide isn't smooth or whatever, most of the time, unless it's your offensive line coach who will catch everything. But, right. you know, somebody's grandma four rows up in the stands is going to yell at you, you know, that's the wrong pull angle. That's what this gets <laughs> You know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but everyone knows when you get beat. Everyone knows if you, you know, right. bite on a fake. I mean, it's, you know, it's your – your mistakes are there for the whole world to see. Right, right. Uh, I, I, I feel you're paid. I, I wanted to be a corner, <laughs> but I ended up playing safety because I wasn't super fast. I was quick, but not super fast. <laughs> so, so let's get to technique. In your scheme that you've played in, what do they usually ask you to do? Um, are, you, are you guys that do both zone and man or like zone with man principles? What do you do in your actual scheme? Um. I will consider at least I will consider myself as a man corner, like because okay. I rather I rather put hands on you. Mm-hmm. So I rather put hands on you than playing off using my size to cover you up. As for being a corner, so as for schemes, I rather have playing man. I rather play man, but um, being in a being able to do both as for I played in some zone coverage defenses as for my junior college and out here. Um I I would rather use my size as for um covering in zones as for being able to cover big parts of the field. And Knowing the schemes for certain moments 
it's pretty good right now for what I know. Doing what I'm doing, it really helps me out really a lot. Okay. So the difference that I have, I'd rather put hands on the receiver than let him give him space as we're playing off coverage or cover two. I'd rather do that. <laughs> okay. Got it. And once again, we talked about your big corner. Uh, you're a guy who's longer and stronger than the average cornerback. And you would right. prefer to play in a situation where you get to bump and bother, you know, that's what I call it. Bump and bother. Um, <laughs> That's what, that's what I call it. I mean, that's, people say bump and run. I mean, right. you're running. Everyone's running, but you don't want to just run. You, you, right. Guys catch balls all the time if you just run with them. You know? <laughs> I mean, good ones. Good receivers right. don't care if you run next to them. The right. NFL is full of guys who make a living catching balls with guys, you can't see my fingers, but this close to them. Right. Right. <laughs> that's, right. That's, if you can't do that, you can't play in the NFL. Just right. running with you isn't going to do anything. That's Odell Beckham's entire life is spent catching balls with guys right there. You've got to bother him. you got to bump right. and bother. You've got to bother right, him all right. over the field. Bother him back to the, back to the hole if you have to. Which <laughs> is what Josh Norman likes to do. He'll bother, you. He'll bother you back out to your car in the parking lot if he, if he gets a chance to. Um, <laughs> that's, but, you know, Josh is another guy who had to overcome a lot. Not quite like your story. I mean, he didn't come from another country, but he came from way off the, way off the radar. Right, get his right. chance. Oh well, see, I don't know. I don't know how much you know. I guess we'll find out how much you know about. I mean, you're playing catch up, obviously. So, do you have favorite players of the next level, like pros that you watch? I don't know how much um, NFL football you. I mean, you watch some, but I do. I do. I mean, I'm always trying to like. Since I'm a big guy, I'm trying to compare my playing skills with some big guys that were in the league or that are still in the mm-hmm. league. Right. Um, one of my guys that I was or is still looking up to was um, Asamoa from Eagles. Oh, yeah, Nandi Asamoa. Wow, yeah. Nandi Asamoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty but good you, guy. Here's how, I know, here's how I know that you grew up in another country. You said the Eagles. I mean, he did play for the Eagles, but – if you right. want to watch vintage okay. Nomni Asamoah, <laughs> Raiders. Might have Yes, I'm going to suggest you check right. out. No, he's right. He also, right. He did. He, he, I mean, you're right. He did play for the Eagles, too. But, yes, yeah. I highly recommend you check out his Raiders tape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, but it's yeah, delightful. So, I mean, it's just so, so cool to talk to somebody because, you know, football is still so new to you. It's just fascinating. Yeah. Got, I'm good. I got, I got. I think I have the ability to play on the next level. So. Oh, I don't doubt that. But I mean, I'm honestly very honest with you. You have a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> um, still, I mean, and which is not a shot. I mean, it's just the truth. Um, you're you're not one of those kids that grew up with a ball in your under your arm and a dad who was yelling at you from the age of four or five about, you know, <laughs> proper positioning and, you know, keeping the triangle in front of you and all that stuff. 
you know, there's all these things that you're learning that most guys learn, like I said, when they're playing youth ball or high school ball that you're playing, you're learning at the collegiate level. But it's amazing how quickly you're, you're gaining on these other guys. So right. both in practice and in games, you face some pretty good competition. Uh, tell me about some of the best players you've ever played with and the best players you've ever played against in your, your time here in America. Um, as for, yeah, um, I play, like, big games that we played against, um, Lamb, we played Florida, Ole Miss, all those guys, um, there were big names that we played against them, so, like, um, Ole Miss, some Ole Miss players, they were pretty big and strong, mm-hmm. um, we had uh, Texas A&M last year. We huh. had okay. So, now, did, yeah. did you did you get a chance to study those guys? Because Texas A&M had one of the most ludicrous uh, wide receiving groups you, know, you could ever hope to see. They have a tremendous little slot receiver slash what I call Percy Harvin position player, and Kurt right. who lines up sometimes in the backfield, sometimes in the slot, sometimes out wide. Speedy Noyle, uh, obviously the the enormous Ricky Seals Jones and the the silent assassin Josh Reynolds. When you looked at those guys on tape, what did you notice? Um, you notice that they know like skill wise they up they they good. You're gonna give the guys the credits where they deserve. So those guys are good. You see the difference that they play in, like the mentality they play in, just on the field. They just wanted some type of way more than other guys. They just go and do their thing. So that was really surprised, not surprising. That was really impressive to me. Like they do that most of the games that they be playing in. They always have like consistent um, numbers or game situations they in. So. That was pretty good to see. But, like, we played all Miss and had a pretty good game in that, too, that I played. So, against um, some great receivers, they were in there. So, that was pretty good. Hey, Bill, that great receiver he's talking about was Laquan Treadwell. I figured. (laughs) I, 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 I noticed he doesn't always know names, but he, um, <laughs> like I said, he's playing catch-up. I, I, it's cool to see a guy, like I said, he's really learning on the fly, you know, which is impressive because most of us have heard of these guys. Nowadays, high school kids sort of keep track of each other because of the camps and social media, so they learn each other even before they get to college, and they know who's going where and all this. It's a different world. I can only imagine. Right. I can only imagine how different it is because you're removed from all of that. You don't know who's a four star or a five star or a Gatorade right. All American. Or you mentioned the U.S. Army All American game. I mean, you knew about it because you played where they played, but you right. didn't know the guys who were in the game. And because there's high school kids, even if they aren't in those games, they know who is in it, and they know if they ever played against one of those guys, and especially if they had a good game against one of those guys. You know, they always they. You know, those kids are watching. They're at home watching. It's like, well, you know, I'm not at the All-American game, but when we played such and such, I shut that fool down, LOL. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have, obviously, all that to draw from, right? (laughs) I just – 
So it's I mean, fascinating. Yeah. So that's pretty good. So what did you notice about a guy like Treadwell uh, when you played him? I mean, in, in that game week that we had, that practice week that we had, coaches, as for our coaches, um, we were not just taking this game as just – we were just taking this game as it's another game. It's not a game that we're just going to take as, you know, one a game that's going to be better than us. So I was going in as a mindset as well, it doesn't matter who this is. I don't know him. He don't know me. So I'm just going to play my game. Mm-hmm. And I met him on the field. <laughs> I, had, right. I had a good encounter with him as for being on the field, few drive, the drive that I was in, um, pass deflection, pass deflection, pass deflection, and then a uh, double move on me. <laughs> so, but, I mean, going against a receiver like that, a high-caliber receiver, and did what I did, I was so proud of myself and my coaches, too. I mean, I had a great game that game. So that was pretty That's good. That's a great measuring stick when you get to go against guys like the guys at Texas A&M, the guys at at, Mrs., at Ole Miss. Uh, sure. Who else have you ever played against that impressed you? Uh, who else sticks out in your mind amongst the best guys you've played with or played against? Um, let me see. I mean, the big games that we had was – I mean, we had a receiver out here at New Mexico State. I think he transferred to Maryland. Pretty good, amazing receiver, good receiver skill-wise and everything. Teldrick Morgan, he was amazing at skill-wise. Oh, Teldrick Morgan, yes. Yes. Quick. Quick, quick on quick on quick. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, Pick up quick. Lightning right. bug, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he's a great guy that I went every practice against, and I learned a lot of him, and I hope he learned a lot of me. So that was one guy I really had a competition with every day in practice. And that's a good guy. That's a really amazing guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay. So it goes by very quickly for you. Obviously, you spent a couple years in New York College. You spent a couple years up in Las Cruces. Let's right. let's spend just a moment on Las Cruces. I'm assuming. You'd never been in a place quite like Las Cruces. I mean, obviously, you'd been in the States a little bit before, but nothing it's, – it's not even I, an easy place to get right. to. <laughs> I, never, I never knew about New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew about New Mexico until the coach called me and talked about the school and my recruiting process. And then me getting some info on the school and the city and – it looked a great city as for being in school and playing football. Not a lot of distractions. No, you're so right. I really like. Oh, uh, not a lot of distractions. Yeah. Did you find a place like a favorite? Did you find a favorite place to eat and a place to get a haircut and things like that? What was people forget just how hard that is when you're new to a new place? How right. long did it take you to at least find all that? Where you're going to eat? Where you get your haircut? Things like that. 
I mean, things like that, you just find, you just ask guys that's already, like, been here for, like, two or three years, and you just ask, where do you go for this? Where do you go for that? And you just learn new stuff every day when you go somewhere out here. So, And most of the stuff out here is Mexican food, so I'm liking <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, okay, you are a fan of Mexican food. Well, then it worked out. <laughs> It's pretty good. That's, I like it. I like it. On dip with green chili and everything, so. Now, are there, I mean, I'm assuming there are Mexican food restaurants even where you are from, but right. I'm, willing to, <laughs> but I'm willing to bet it was different. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I'm guessing it was a different level of Mexican food you encountered in Las Cruces from where you encountered overseas? Um, yes, for sure. I mean, out here you really get the, the real deal because you know, there is always some um, – place that sell like burritos tacos but not it's not the real mexican tacos no. burrito so no <laughs> out here you got that <laughs> got it well i'm glad you enjoyed mexican food and how about how about at um altitude i mean obviously the term netherlands means lowlands you suddenly right. find yourself a mile and change above sea level. What was that adjustment like? Um, being out here as for surrounding, I'm out here middle in the mountains. So mm-hmm. I really, I really like this view every day. You're milling the mountains and I don't really, I think I don't really have a problem. Like, as for some guys, when they come out here, they saying they have problem out breeding. As for, because <laughs> I do, I don't really recognize that. But okay. I don't really have a problem with that. No, but I really like it out here. Like mountain views, it's all different surrounding. As for where the where I was in the Netherlands. Yes, like I said, you you've made the biggest, largest. I don't think, like I said, I've talked to lots of players, and usually when someone's an international player, they mean somebody who's from, you know, yeah, like the West Indies or, right. you know, Samoa or, you know. Right, right. So I, you're the first person, like I said, and I've been doing this a long time, that's come from your particular route. I mean, like I said, Martin Anderson killed it, you know, but he, he had a slightly different route uh, than yours even. So your senior year, right, um, it's a little different from what you've experienced in the past because, as you said, your schools and your, your sports teams, at least in your example, are, are two separate entities. Right. When you arrive at Las Cruces, it takes you a while, you settle in, now you're, you're contributing. You're, what did you have as your goal for your last season of playing American college football? What things did you want to accomplish going into that last year? Um, my mindset was really focusing on, like, football as for 
doing what's supposed to do to get out as for where I want to go, as for football, the next level. Um, working on myself, being a football player, that was my senior year. That was really what I wanted to do as for being a better mm-hmm. football player, just getting better as for standing out. Yeah, as in standing out, that's really what I wanted it at my senior year. And I think I really did that for me, putting myself out there for the team and getting mixed up with the team. So that was pretty good. That That's okay. what, really what I wanted. And did you feel like you got a chance to maybe even become a leader? I know it's hard when you're a guy who's trying to learn so much culturally, linguistically. And of course, right. your sport and, and academics. I mean, everything is a you know a big load, and then you've got other loads on top of the normal load that every other student athlete faces. Do you feel like you got a chance to become a leader as well, or is that something that you just you know would have been more than you could have expected just because of all the things you were dealing with? Right. Um, I think it's possible, but it's going to be hard just for me because I'm not a person from here, so. <laughs> I understand it for others to see me as a leader since I'm not one of them as were a uh, United States um uh, like immigrant uh, not immigrant um as a somebody out of the United States, so it's hard to see me as a leader, but I think. Mm-hmm. I got some um, credentials to be one for sure, yes. I really okay. wanted to, yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, when you are a person who wants to lead, are you the kind of person that leads by firing other people up and getting in their faces, or how do you, how do you try to get other people to accomplish things they might not normally accomplish without your help? Um, yeah, I'm more of a... I consider myself more of somebody that's like motivation wise as for giving seeing myself where I was and knowing where I am right now mm-hmm. as letting people know for like you can do something what you want if you just love it and just go for it, you know. As for me being out here and doing what I want as from where I came from, it's a pretty big step. So I was at, I will be a leader as in showing people how you can reach stuff that you want to. Okay. Got <laughs> it. And like I said, you, you are certainly an amazing story of, you know, what you can accomplish uh, because, I mean, the chances against everyone are, are, are steep. As as I always tell people, there's only 1,696 jobs in the whole league. They don't empty the league out every year. So there's really only a handful of those total jobs are actually available each year. But for you to come from and overcome what you have already is certainly impressive. So I'm going to take you sort of through that final year. Uh, the year where you finally began to to really make an impact in your time at New Mexico State University. So 
walk me through this. Uh, this is a program that itself has gone through a lot. Uh, there have been even threats to the survival of the program. Is that something that you guys ever discuss, or is it just something that's sort of in the back of your mind? The fact that this is a pro- you know that the program itself is to some extent uh, being I don't want to say threatened, but you know that there's people who wonder if it's worth keeping the football program. Right. I mean, me, I look, I always came in as a mindset as for, I knew what's going on, but I always came in a mindset as for, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. As for my team and stuff, I, we will change this. So it, really, it didn't really bother me. It really I didn't really pay attention to all of that. It just came in me. For me, it's just let's change this my, uh, as a mindset. Okay. Got it. And you mentioned that, you know, you sort of found yourself in a position where you may not have been always comfortable leading simply because, as you said, you're, 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 you're sort of establishing yourself as a person who's, I say you're an outsider, but you're trying to – your first job is to try to fit in, it sounds like, initially, rather than, right. you know, walk into a room and say, look, here, here, fellas, here's what we're going to do today. But right. who were some of the guys that you felt like did lead? Who were some of the guys that were around you in the program that you thought were guys that helped get guys organized and keep guys together when things got tough? Um, I always had, like, a good communication with our linebacker. Uh, our linebacker um, squad. So, mm-hmm. as for our linebacker, I'm talking about uh, Rodney Butler. He's one guy, as for on the field and off the field, his action was like speaking most of his more than words. So, what he did on the field and off the field was something for me to like look up to. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and him reaching me reaching out as for being a player that's not from here, knowing that that's a guy that want this to change want to change this program. I will see him as a leader, as a good good leader for our team that we had. So that was pretty good for him and for us. Okay. And what were some of the high points? I mean, if you had to pick out some of the things you thought were good things that happened in your last year playing college football, what were some things you'd point to and say, I'm proud of this, I'm glad we accomplished that? What were some of the things that you look to or look back on from that last year that you played college football up there that you feel like you guys are proud of? Beating New Mexico. <laughs> Lobo. <laughs> <laughs> so you learned about rivalries, I see. Rivalries. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we really okay. wanted, and we did. So, so take me through that. Feeling. Take me through the week that leads up to that game, and tell people about like the trophies and the all the stuff that's tied up in winning that game. Um. As for our rivalry with the New Mexico Lobos, that was that's going on for years, forever, and hundred years, yeah, yes, right. And they coming in beating us. Our last last year, we had a chance. We all we up by halftime, and they coming back beating us. That was really playing onto me because 
for me, if we win in like if we were winning, we were good, and then we losing, it really hurt. And then coming back the next year and finish what we started, that was amazing. That was amazing, and we had the whole city behind us after that game. So that was so good. That was a great feeling. And then at finally having a win out of our rivalry game. That was an amazing turnout for this school and for us and for the city. So that was amazing. Was that the biggest win of your college career at New Mexico State? I will say yes, for sure. Okay. For sure. Got it. Got it. Okay. So let's let's continue forward. Uh, you continued – you know, finish out your season, things like that. And then you start preparing for your pro day. Tell me about some of the things that you did to get ready for that. Obviously, once again, a lot of American kids, when they're in high school, prepare for camps and they know they're going to be timed, you know, and run certain drills and things like that. I'm assuming some of these things are still kind of new to you getting ready for your pro day because you just had never gone through anything like that before. Right. Um... As I mean, the year before that, I knew pro day was coming up for the guys, the seniors from last the year, or from my last year. But the mm-hmm. year, my year, my pro day came up, so I was like, okay, I need to get ready for this since I need to put some numbers up that's pretty that's going to be impressive. So me just working out, knowing what I need to work on, and knowing what my what my weakness was just measurement, measuring on that, like hammering on that. It was It was setting up, letting some coaches know, my coaches know, um, I need to work on this, this, helping me out. That was pretty good as for a new situation that was in. Working out for my project was pretty intense because that's like an everyday workout. Same thing actually as football, but most of most of all that I did on my own working out, so I was pretty confident about what I did and what I worked for. Okay, and you felt like it played out essentially the way you wanted to. You you accomplished most of the things you wanted to accomplish. Yes, I mean I set up some goals that I wanted to get for sure, and I I made all my goals. It can always be better. That's what I said. It can be better always. Mm-hmm. So sure. at least I reached my goals that I wanted to, and that was pretty. I'm pretty proud of myself. Good, good. And you should be. Um, you <laughs> you accomplished. I mean, like I said, uh, the odds are against everybody. But to accomplish what you accomplished with everything, you know, having come from where you came from, and like I said, you made up a lot of ground just to get right. to the point of being able to start. Now, when did right. you get your first start at uh, at New Mexico State University? When did you first hit the starting lineup? Um, I had it at, uh, let me see, I think it was the Ole Miss game. I started, huh. I, I That's came in. That's good timing. <laughs> I came in. And 
my coach really, because my, my, some of my teammates still joking about it, my coach just really threw me in there. He was like, Dion, let me see what you got. <laughs> so basically it was like, let's see what I got. And I just went for it, do what I needed to do. I felt I felt pretty good about that too, so I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I'm certainly. It's only interesting to see some of the things that you sort of accomplished and how you how you decided essentially to uh, to do these things, accomplish these things when not too many other people from. You know, like I said, that's it's an, people about pass to the whatever to the draft to the league, whatever it is. Your pass is an unusual one. So, how did you go about figuring out even what position to play when you first came to the states? Or did people see? You, how did they figure out what you were? Because you're such a raw lump of clay. I mean, your right. frame certainly says defensive back. That might have been it. But tell me about that, that process of just figuring out even what position to play you when you first got here. Um, in my mindset, I came out here to play receiver first. Mm-hmm. But and then? Second, <laughs> yes, my second position is a corner. So, and since I had my Juco, my coaches were be telling me, like, okay, if you were a corner, your size, would be amazing for a corner. There's not a lot of corners out there with your size, so that would be a a good thing to do to move your position to corner. And me, just out there, I was like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Let me just go for that. And me just figuring out, oh, tall corners are something special, so I will work on my DB skills and turn myself into a corner as for my primary position. Okay. So. And people always talk about it being the reverse, essentially, of playing wide receiver. What things do you think helped you from playing a receiver before to, to make the transition, and what things were different for you when you went from playing wide receiver to playing defensive back? Um, you know like routes what to expect on certain moments you know what to expect as for when somebody give you some moves so some receiver instincts will always kick back in in certain moments as for when the ball's in the air or um certain situation when you're in what they need so that really helped me out as for knowing situations and um, route runnings, how to, how far, what, how they um, come out of cuts. So this pretty helped me. That really helped me out. Okay. And as you are completing your, your eligibility and figuring out and deciding that you think you might have an opportunity to play at the next level, you had to figure out who you wanted to work with, who was going to represent you, things like that. Tell me about that process. How did you figure out that part of it? The, you know, finding your representatives and finding where you're going to continue to work on this dream that you had. Right. Um, 
at me knowing that it's going to be hard for me to put myself out there as for some international guy. So I know it's going to be hard for me. So I just, I know I needed somebody to help me out. And I got a hand of Brian. Somebody helped me out with, um, with helping me out with finding a good agency to help me out for representing myself. So I got, um, my man, Brian, and he's helping me out since then, getting my name out there as for what I did at my pro day and what I can bring to the table. So I'm really happy for that, that I got him at my side. Yeah. Well done, and congratulations there. Uh, you definitely found Thank one of the you. good ones, certainly. <laughs> now, I know you've probably heard this before, and you will hear it again. Special teams is going to be the key to you having an NFL future. Uh, you, you, you might be a terrific cornerback, but right. they, they won't even figure that part out if you don't contribute on special teams in a big, in a big way. Uh, oh, special we, teams. Okay. So, so let's talk about <laughs> it. Let's get into it. Let's, tell me about why you love special teams and what you've done before on special teams. I mean, I played on kickoff um, right here at New Mexico State. And mm-hmm. just and in my and, and my, my JUCO special teams every time. So, I mean, people don't know that, but special teams that's a big, a huge part of a football game, and most mm-hmm. people really don't recognize that. And me, I really love just running down that field with nobody, hoping that nobody touch you, and just tackle somebody. Inside the twenty, so I mean, that's something I would, rat. I I would love to do that. Like if the league or something, that would be something amazing. It's yeah, special teams. That's something I will really go for too, for sure. Okay, well, as you you know, hopefully know, or if you don't know, you will know. Uh, yeah. There is an entire career path. I mean. The person that right. leaps to mind, I mean, this Coach Belichick's second favorite player on his whole team. He's got a really good team, in case you hadn't heard. But <laughs> the person that he gets second most excited about, I mean, obviously he loves talking about Tom Brady to some extent, but the person he really gets excited talking about is Matthew Slater, the captain of his special teams unit. He loves Matthew Slater, who, right. you know, in theory is also a wide receiver, but he's probably played in his entire career maybe 12 15 snaps of wide receiver during the regular season. And it doesn't matter that he plays that few snaps of wide receiver because that's not the most important thing he has. The most important thing he has, he's, he's a incredibly productive special teams player who makes plays in PA block, field goal block, right. uh, punt and kickoff right. coverage, uh, cut, punt and kickoff return team. I mean, he's, he's, he's probably a future special teams coach, but he probably is. But for the moment, he is maybe the most valuable special teams player, consistently valuable special teams player in the entire league. And Belichick himself is a former special teams coach, and he loves special teams. So if you want to survive the cuts while you're, I mean, you're still somewhat raw. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest with you. I love your talent, but you're, you clearly could use another couple of years of coaching before you're ready to try to take on the, you know, the, 
Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys, you know, the Odell Beckhams and the <laughs> Sterling Shepherds <laughs> and the Deshaun Jacksons and the, I mean, it's a long list of dudes. <laughs> the NFL yeah. full of freak show receiver types, Julio Jones, and, you know, you, you, you'll miss Calvin Johnson. Um, it's a good miss, just so you know. But there's uh, there's still plenty of guys out there who are utter utter freak shows. So I think you could I think you could get there. So I think your early career is going to be spent contributing on special teams and right. learning the craft, really learning the craft. I think a great DB coach could pull some of stuff out of you. I could see you playing in one of those man press um, or even one of those cover three, you know, press with safety help kind of situations where you're you know, getting up in somebody's face and occasionally maybe coming off of them or, you know, sort of tricking yeah. up, up a little bit. But most of the time, like I said, bump and bother. Uh, you know, Richard Sherman's another guy that b- bumps and bothers with the best. And he's another guy that, you know, gets in guys' heads. I mean, he bothers them right. not just physically, right? I mean, right. he bothers right. them in lots of <laughs> other ways. <laughs> he gets to use that communications degree from Stanford uh, on a regular basis. <laughs> he's on the field. He communicates with the right, right. Uh, openly and freely, but obviously you can, you know, bust out some. Have you ever, have you ever actually like trash talk somebody in your in your native language? Have you ever trash talk somebody in in in, um, in Dutch before? Or? Uh, no. <laughs> I love to see their reaction. <laughs> what did you say to me? <laughs> Because that's one way to throw somebody off their game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't ask you now, but try to think of some, some Dutch smack talk, and I'll, I'll I'll circle around later. Maybe I'll put it in one of my interview questions <laughs> and email it to you. So uh, I'd love to I'd love to be the only guy in America who actually knows what a <laughs> Dutch quarterback would say to a receiver after he uh, after he you know knocked the ball out of his hands or something. <laughs> uh. Well, let's, let's finish up. Because yeah. uh, you actually, you just had your pro day. You said you felt like you accomplished what you wanted to. Um, were there any teams that showed any particular interest in you, or had any communications with you, or anything like that? Um, I worked uh, after my pro day. I worked out with the uh, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Awesome. So, so, and he he liked what I did with him, uh, the workouts and stuff. So. I hope I hear some further information or further contact from well, good. And they, they have a, once again, that's a, that's a very stable coaching staff, very good, right. stable coaching staff. Some of those are guys that have been with Andy Reid, if not in Kansas City, uh, for a long, long time. But some of them have been there for a while. But some of them have been with Andy Reid going all the way back to his days as head coach in Philadelphia. So he, he likes, you know, and his, his staff likes certain things. Tacklers, one thing. Uh, they're a team that likes their corners to tackle. So right. it's good that you're a guy who, even though, as you said, you're a guy that's kind of new to certain things. You're not new to tackling. I noticed that from your face. You're not afraid to stick your face in the fan. Yeah. Well, I, I like that. Uh, and I will ask this. Have you have you found some favorite guys to watch um, Some you know since you've been here in America, guys that you feel like you can learn from or, or maybe they play a little bit like you play? I like Joe Hayden. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting character. Okay, tell me about why you like Joe Hayden and what have you noticed about him? I mean, it's you know about him. People always like he's a, 
he's a top corner too. So, and he don't really have all that um, noise and pressure on him, but you know he's good. You know you need to keep an eye on him. So, I really like that, that under the radar, but you know he's there type of um, attitude that he got okay. when he plays the game. So, I like that. <laughs> Got it. That's an interesting name to pull because most people pull the same, you know, group of guys. You always hear the same. So you went a little bit off uh, the usual suspects when people talk about their favorite corners to watch. And the other thing, the last thing I'll ask you about, I I see sometimes people mention that you might project the safety. You've actually, you've never played safety before in your life, have you? Uh, no. (laughs) No, But then a lot of things you're doing are new for you. (laughs) A lot of these things. Right. (laughs) Um, I will warn you, having made that transition, it is not a super easy one to make. Uh, I I explain it this way. It's like if you go from being a security guard who walks a beat where there's this one corner you have to watch, right? And everything comes over here, you you arrest them. If they try to get away, everything over here. Now you're a security guard for like an apartment complex, and you have to watch a bunch of different screens, you know, like in a bunch of right. monitors. That's the difference. Like, you you don't have this little corner to, to monitor. you got to monitor this entire apartment complex. Look at all the different things going on. And a lot of it's fake. You know, the other thing, oh, wait. As you look at it, something, oh, hey, no, that's, oh, false alarm. You know, oh, here's the real thing over here. Oh, on this other screen, I wasn't looking at. Oh, no. So your mind, it's a mind change. You know, you, your mind right. has to go from, I'm shutting this dude down to, you know, since you're playing free safety, I mean, Earl Thomas is my favorite right now playing the free safety position. He sees almost everything and gets to amazing things from right. – he'll be sometimes deep hash, you know, all the way over here, and he'll come up and undercut a tight end route all in the flat, all the way across the field. Right, right. 37, you know, 30-something, 30 37, 30 – I mean, that's the way people say, you know, I mean, he's – that's why the Seattle corners can play the way they do, because they right. know that if somebody does get past them, they've got a straighter race or an old time. He's, I love him. But, uh, uh, he's great. I'm ex- yeah, he is. And I'm excited about your future. Um, do you have a favorite American team, uh, pro team? Um, any, any that wants me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. You – You've been coached up in a few areas. I can see you're working on your game <laughs> on and off the field. <laughs> nice answer. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Now, but you did you watch much when you even before you came over here? I mean, I know that the games aren't live, and I know sometimes you're you know like three o'clock in the morning or whatever. But did you watch games even when yeah, you lived in the Netherlands? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I watched like every Sunday, like late in the mornings or at night, you'll be having like late night games. So I'll be watching a lot of, I was, I was watching a lot of football for sure. Okay. Okay. And did you, did you find any teams that you like to watch a lot or that you really enjoyed watching? Uh, I use uh, Cardinals. Like I like, I used to watch them because they're pretty exciting defense. So, they have a mm-hmm. pretty excited defense, so that's what terrific secondary <laughs> for sure. <laughs> terrific for sure. secondary, you know, one of the best for big sure. corners out there, obviously. Uh, in in sure. of course, I mean, amazing Patrick Peterson. He's really one of a kind. Okay, good. 
So I'm going to take you into the league, right? Into the league. Right. Uh, you're, I think I think you're probably going to spend a year on a practice squad. Have you? Has that explained to you how that works? I mean, I know that some of this stuff that you may or may not know about. Has anyone ever told you about what, what that means if you're on a team's practice squad? Yes, for sure. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I right. know, yeah. I'm, I, with <laughs> you, I can't assume. I just always ask. Right, right, right. right. Uh, <laughs> it'll give you that chance to, first of all, just acclimate. It's almost like being registered to a certain extent at the collegiate level. But I think that the year after that, you're also going to make up a lot of ground quickly. I could see you being a person that contributes on special teams and then maybe even as a reserve on defense. So that by you get to them, get your third year, and Brian will tell you why it's so important to have a good third year. Uh, let him handle that part. But by him using that third year, I could see you really showing people that you belong and that you can play and that you can contribute on defense and not just special teams. I could see that happening by that point in your career. So, you know, I don't know if you've already sort of planned it out, but I think that that's how things could well play out for you. I think you've done an amazing job just to be where you are already. Right. Okay. And how yeah. often do you get a chance to, to get home and see your family? The last time I went all the way home might be two years ago. Wow. Well, that shows <laughs> your commitment. That shows your commitment, you know. I, sure. I can't doubt your commitment because you're, you're going, you're going, you went a long way and you don't see your family very often. Do you guys Skype or something? Um, yes, we video call by phone or I meet them oh, okay. somewhere in like, um, in Florida. Oh, okay. We meet up. Okay. Got it. That's pretty good. That is it's always good to get to Florida for whatever reason. <laughs> well, so, so Dion, what I'm going to ask, you'll get an email. Um, so please have Brian email me with your email address or message me with your email address. That'll have some of the questions we've covered during the show and then some that we didn't. And I just ask you to respond to that. If you could also supply a picture of yourself, I'll be using that in a series of articles I write every year called Blue Light Special. Show up in nuts and bolts sports. And I am very much excited to see where the next part of this very long and interesting journey takes you. For sure. So thank you so much. I also want to thank Brian. I, certainly, sir. Certainly. I thank Brian for having make this happen. Um, I thank my, my co-host, Montel Hardy, who gave some great information about the NIU Pro Day. So once again, it has been an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. And Dion, I wish you all the very best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And like I said, good luck there, man. Yes. Yes, and, and thank Brian for me as well. All right. Appreciate it, man. Certainly, you have a good day today. You too. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.